has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Light it up. Welcome to Unmistakably Star Wars, your source for a high-quality, informative, and entertaining look into the Star Wars galaxy. So strap yourself in, because here's where the fun begins. You know, Bex, once in a while, um, we really pull out all the stops, and we, 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 we have found ourselves sometimes having Delilah Dawson on the podcast, we've had John Jackson Miller on the podcast, Jason Fry on the podcast, we've had Cass Sunstein on the podcast, we've even had Eric Walker of the True. Ewok Movies fame on the podcast, but True. I tell you what, Bex, all of them combined do not hold a candle to this evening's guest. Also true. And you know what else is, is outstanding about this is even though Barb the Canadian is not here this week, we went out of our way to get us another Canadian for tonight's show. <laughs> it's it's pretty exciting stuff. It is the, the best of all worlds. So without further ado, I get to welcome back a guy that, my goodness, we pretty much started at the same time. And uh, for some reason, we're, we're still going at this little podcast thing. So Kyle Roussel of the Tumbling Saber podcast, my friend, welcome back. Beaver tails for everybody. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> How's everybody doing? That? Good. Good. So I, I honestly think that we were quite frankly, uh, unmistakably Star Wars and Tumbling Saber were maybe within a couple of weeks of each other when we actually started off a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess it depends on when you dropped the first podcast and when you actually fired up the name. So we, I, I think I took the mantle of Tumbling Saber on Twitter and on the web, like October of 2015. And the first podcast dropped like three or four days before TFA. Okay. Okay. So by a couple of weeks, I guess we were on air before then, but for us, my goodness, I know that we spent probably three days just searching for a stupid dot com that wasn't already taken. <laughs> so here we are unmistakably. Yeah, that's about all that was left. Well, listen, Kyle, we're so glad that you could join us tonight. Thank you, not only for joining us, but of course, picking up the mantle of long-heralded Canadians that are part of this podcast. So uh, you've got big shoes to fill tonight. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, no pressure, Devin, no, no, no pressure. No pressure, no pressure at all. Um, so listen, we are starting a brand new series this week. It's going to be a, probably, I'm guessing, about a five-part mini-series, and we're going to be talking about heroes and villains. And tonight, part one in our closer look, we're going to get into talking about what makes for a great hero. And I'll just say this at the get-go, Bex, for you and the other ladies listening, we're using heroes as the label for heroes and heroines. <laughs> so just so we don't get any ats on the social media, speaking <laughs> generally about just a traits blanket. of heroes. Yes, it's just a blanket label Rod for that. Yeah, I hope you're okay it. with it. I didn't check with you beforehand. I wish you would have. I know I should have. I totally should have. But I see yeah. that you've got about four pages worth of handwritten notes there. So I do. Uh, hopefully it's not just why didn't he use the word heroin over and over and over again. Don't read my notes. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> jumped the shark on that one. But, you know. Um, hey, hey, Devin, yeah, I, got, yeah. I got a question. Go, Kyle, so, yeah. You've got Eve and you've got Barb and you've got Carl and Regina and so on. A lot of smart, insightful people. And you turn to me to fill those shoes. I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, like, what kind of bullpen 
do you got when you got to come to me? Well, listen now, don't sell yourself <laughs> short. I mean, it, have we, you listened to my show? Part of part of it is with our overseas crowd, the thick accent that Carl has, it, it's really tough for them to kind of, you know, it's like the UN. They need a translator to actually kind of unpack what Carl's getting across. <laughs> but um, I, we're aces on this. This is great. This is great. So, but, but before we jump to our closer look for tonight, I've, I've got a couple tricks up my sleeves for both of you. Bex, you're shaking your head. As uh, as I even say that, you have no idea what's ahead of you, which is how I like it, of course. So um, with that, let's bring in uh, our favorite game show contestant from the 1970s. That is Monty Hall. And um, you know what? Let's let's see what happens on tonight's game show. Tonight we are playing another round of that game that's sweeping the galaxy. That's right. You remember it. Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. For those of you that tuned in last week to our inaugural episode of that, changing things up just a little bit tonight because, again, anytime I can mess with the panel's minds, I take that opportunity. So here's how it's going to go down. Something old. I'm going to ask of each of you, what's, what's something from Star Wars canon that if you could tweeze out, take it out of cannon, pitch it into the waste bucket, and never again have to deal with it, what would it be? And then I'm going to ask you something new. What is something you would want to add to Star Wars canon? And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause right there because for our, our, our last two, something borrowed and something blue, it's, it's a little bit different this week. So, Kyle, you are our guest this evening. And so when it comes to something old, what is that thing that you would want to just tweeze out of Star Wars lore and pretend it never happened. Well, so I'm I'm not going to be one to, to throw something away and set it on fire. My my, my something old and something new are kind of linked. Mm-hmm. And I talked about this last week on my pod. We were talking about retcons, our favorites, mm. our least favorites. Yeah. I would toss out, for all intents and purposes, 3PO being built by Anakin. Mm. Not 3PO in general, just being built by Anakin. Correct. I I I felt that that was unnecessary, and if if they were if the point was to show how good he was with mechanics and and stuff like that, I I I felt that I got that from his his abilities in building a pod racer from scratch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check. <laughs> <laughs> Vocational habits done. Um. So let me ask this though, and this might tie into you something new. I'm not sure, but. You know, we've seen C-3PO with red eyes now. Do you think that, that any part of that storyline might come back around in Episode Nine? Uh, coming back to Anakin? Anakin and C-3PO. We have some type of reunion or some type of, I guess, thread that goes back to that part in Phantom Menace? I don't think so. I, you know, I think the red eye thing is, is tantalizing, mm. but I don't think it connects necessarily to Anakin. Yeah. Yeah, I'll buy that. It'll, it'll be interesting to see that if that story thread gets brought up at all, because I, I like that pick. It's, well, you know, I would have been okay if you would just stop with C-3PO was made. But um, <laughs> but I, I I like that pick. And that, that certainly, Kyle, I don't know if you've listened to our show last week or not, but Barb had that question, and she wanted genocide for the entire Gungan race. So, whoa. Yes, yes. So I thank you for picking up, like, the friendly mantle of Canadians again, because that <laughs> I got dropped last I was week. Say, there goes my answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bex, I'm throwing it to you now. Something old. What would you take out of Star Wars canon and pretend that it never happened? I'm probably gonna get 
beat up for this, but uh, Luke's vision when he goes into the cave and he fights Vader and Whoa. it blasts Whoa. and it's his what? face. I've never understood it. Oh. Never. And okay. every time I'm like, and you lost me. Really? And then, yeah. Well, just... granted, I probably didn't have the depth of insight as whatever I was at the time, eight years old. <laughs> but I'm, I'm fascinated because I think that, well, we've just seen that come back again in Marvel Comics. I know. With just because it's Vin been solo done doesn't mean you need to keep. That's doing the ring, it. though. That's the uh, ring theory. Okay, so you're getting rid of the cave scene. I would. Yeah. Wait, but then going with that is the dialogue that Yoda says, like your weapons, you want not need them. He puts them on anyway. What's in there? Only what you take with you. That's yeah. gold. Yeah. Bags. Mm, nope. Kyle, help me out cut, on this you one. Can cut it. Cut it out. <laughs> It'd be totally fine. Whoa. Move along, move along. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this? I'm, I'm, I'm quite literally flabbergasted <laughs> right now. Uh, well, I mean, look, everybody can throw it whatever they want. I that, hmm, that I mean, ESB is is a movie that is just, it's like a, a baby duck being imprinted, <laughs> having its mom imprinted onto it. You know, like say more. I that that movie is hardwired into me, mm. so I I can't. And that's fair. I can't take any part of that movie out. You oh. know, it's 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 so strange to me uh, to, to to imagine that movie without that sequence. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Bex. Um, <laughs> I I'm totally gonna admit, like I'm shocked. On, that's... on the flip side, yeah. I could also take out Ray going down into the cave and doing the whole. Oh my god! We could cast my own right so... now. What are we? See, that one I'm about? that one I can I can get on board with because I I I for it me like the the add anything to the movie. It doesn't. It's to it's that chapter, fine. To that it's, chapter. You know, it's Jello. There's room for it, but it's not necessary. Wow. Okay. Now those are fighting words. <laughs> yeah, sorry. the Ray's cave like sequence Jell-O. kind of baffles me for sure. But yeah, I and maybe it gets picked up on in Rise of Skywalker. But Luke's cave scene just to me is just a clear statement of if you're not careful, you can. This can be you as well. Right. Right. And I still think we're gonna see some type of story thread that's gonna connect back to that cave scene with Ray on Octu. I think we are. By the way, did either of you two read uh, about her Daisy Ridley's quotes about episode eight that JJ had originally written a treatment for seven, eight, nine, and Ryan Johnson just said, eh, and didn't use like any of the ideas that JJ had written in his treatment. That's so amazing. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, I'm just like, wow. Oh, goodness. All right, so Bex, I'm going to start with you now. We go on to our our next level here. Something new. What what do you want to put into Star Wars that either you love so much the first time or it's not there, so it needs to be in there? Something new for Star Wars. (laughs) The death of Kylo. Wow. Uh... (laughs) Man. I know. I'm I'm not on the Ben Demption train. Okay. So So not even that, redemption. You just want Kylo D E D. Done. Dead. All right. D U N done. Done. Okay. Yep. Wow. All right. Wow. There people are Straight driving fire off tonight. Road that's like tonight. I know. Oh my god. That's gosh. like a ninety five mile an hour fastball right under the chin. Yeah. I just I'm gonna Sorry, have folks. to make sure we check with our corporate Sorry, counsel folks. to make sure we're covered in case someone drives <laughs> off into a ditch. These opinions are my opinions alone and not the opinions <laughs> yeah, yes, of the exactly. or the curator. Retweets of Beck's comments don't necessarily <laughs> mean that we agree with her. Um, all right, Kyle, what is something that you would want to bring into Star Wars lore, Star Wars canon? Uh, so like I said, connecting back mm-hmm. to what I would throw out with, with 3PO being built by Anakin, get that out of here. 
Instead, I would flip it, and R2 would have been built by Anakin, ah. and 3PO would have been part of Padme's entourage the whole time. It just for his role, yeah, the, the role that 3PO fills yeah. to me makes more sense to have had him part of Padme's group. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when you, if you, if you've seen the Clone Wars, the animated series, Anakin is just so enamored with. Uh, with R2. He mm. loves that droid. He There's a, like a multi-episode arc where Anakin is searching, mm. uh, rescuing R2. He loves that droid so much. And maybe it's like a, uh, almost like a John Wick situation where R2 is sort of his, his puppy. battlefield reminder yeah. of Padme. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I think if we saw Anakin building R2, then it, it solidifies that link that mm. they have throughout the saga. And then to see, see Vader shoot R2 in A New Hope would just be a, a whole level <laughs> higher of gut punch. Yeah. Truly. Well, and here's what's interesting. I love that pick, Kyle, because, yeah, so far we haven't, other than I guess maybe a little bit at Jabba's Palace, we haven't seen a whole lot of use for a protocol droid yet in this series. <laughs> I guess maybe with the Ewoks to some extent too, right? But I, I really like that. That makes a lot of sense. That's not even headcanon. That's, oh. that's just good story writing. And it would make more sense as to why C-3PO had his mind wiped and R2 didn't. Yeah. Gal, you you need mm-hmm. to make sure that your mm-hmm. resume gets to the head of Kathleen Kennedy's list. <laughs> I've got the great ideas on how to you. retcon this 40-year-old story, Kathleen. <laughs> <laughs> Clear your calendar. We need to talk. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So, Kyle, I'm going to begin with you again. So, something borrowed. Something borrowed. Last week, we actually we said, like, what would you want to bring from another film into this one? But I'm, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Kyle, you said the fastball. I'm, I'm going to throw you a little bit of an off-speed pitch here. So, Something borrowed, if you could borrow the lightsaber of any Jedi, Sith, or Force user, whose would it be and why? Hmm. I've always been a sucker for the Skywalker saga mm. lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, I'm, but I'll, I'll switch it up. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take Ahsoka's pair of white sabers. Nice. That's a good call. That's a good call. I love, the, I love that pair. What about that Adored, pair? actually. Like, what about that pair really like, resonates with you? I think it's more like the, the simplicity of its shape. It's mm. it looks like when you look at a lightsaber, honest to god, it they're ergonomic disasters a lot of the time. Like you hold one <laughs> and it's clunky and and it's like you have like a rectangle <laughs> like pushing into the palm of your hand where it shouldn't be. Yes. And it's like this this yes. should be easier to hold if I'm in a life or death battle and it's not. It's terrible. Yes. But Ahsoka's are are more streamlined. They're just rounded off rectangular shapes. There's they're almost like Samurai's hilts. Now, see, that makes a lot of sense. I think that was if Order sixty six didn't work out, like Palpatine plan. I think Order sixty seven was just to give the Jedi carpal tunnel syndrome with their <laughs> lightsaber hilts. Which, my goodness, can you imagine the Jedi HR department? Just anyway. All right, Bex, whose lightsaber do you claim? It's a toss up for me between Ezra and Mace. Oh, I would wait, 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 wait. Now, Ezra with the the blaster. The staple gun. Blaster. The staple gun. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. Really? The flash. Oh. Yes. Because of the duality of it. It could be a blaster and it could also be a lightsaber. I like that. It's, it's so uncivilized. Eh. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even hear who said uh, what you said after Ezra. <laughs> who did you say after Ezra? Mace Windows. Mace. Okay. Because it's purple. Because it's purple, but also because of just who his character is. Yeah. He's. Other than Obi-Wan, he's probably my favorite Jedi. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, who, who could argue against that? I, I like that. I, I think, I don't know. There's something about, I was going to maybe say Ahsoka, 
because I love that character. I certainly don't want what we saw in the recent footage of the, the Ray's like, uh, what is that, like a switchblade style thing going on there. Seems dangerous. <laughs> Seems dangerous. <laughs> Lightsabers apparently are dangerous enough within the Star Wars galaxy, losing limbs. I, Man, I think I'm going to have to either go with Kylo Ren's or maybe Maul's. Yeah. I, there's just something. Now, listen, you're going to give me double blade lightsaber. I'm probably going to hit a lot of things I don't mean to hit with that. Going to be something like that, that um, Star Wars Jedi kid whose viral video went uh, <laughs> around the web about, I don't know, five or six years ago. But um, I'd be intrigued with that. I think just, it has to be red, though, for me. I think there's something about red. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm sticking with it. All right. So now, listen, I originally came up with some scenarios because I thought we were going to have our panel of three plus myself tonight. We don't have that, so I'm going to try to split these up as best as I possibly can. So something blue, something blue, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Last week I asked, like, what what in Star Wars makes you the weepiest, right? And folks <laughs> chimed in about, you know, this person's death or that person's death. <laughs> Again, Barb was all about Gungan genocide, but... Um, <laughs> It's what we do up here. Uh, clearly, clearly the you know? the, the winter months are a little longer than they need. Why do you think we have such a big territory but so few people in it? Uh, wow. We deal with this overpopulation problem very quietly but very seriously, effectively. You take it seriously. Oh my god. Oh yeah. All right. So Bex, I'm going to begin with you. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you a episode 9 Rise of Skywalker scenario. Okay. And I want you to tell me which one's going to make you more sad, more blue. Okay. okay, ready? Sure. Your episode nine rise of Skywalker scenario is this. Who dies? R2 or Chewbacca? Oh, <laughs> you're terrible. I am. I am. It's one of the things that I actually excel at. <sighs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And I'm out. This has been fun. Which would make me more sad? Yeah. Uh, Chewy. Ah, I had a feeling you'd go that way. Kyle, how about you? R2 or Oh, Chewbacca? it's Chewy. Yeah. Chewy. Stop. Yeah. Chewy. Done. Yeah. My, he's my guy. My favorite character in the, in the whole oh, saga. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that would be difficult then. Okay. Like, why kill the family dog now? <laughs> he's come so far. <laughs> he's come so far. He's, he's taken care of everybody it's to this true. point. Why are you going to take him out now? Yeah, it's true. It's true. However, we'll see what happens. Um, I haven't read any spoilers, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not revealing anything. All right, Kyle, I'm going to start with you this time. All right, here we go. Here is your episode nine rise of Skywalker scenario. Which one will make you more sad? Is it Lando's death or the destruction of the Millennium Falcon? Oh man. Um, geez, this will make me see, seem very unfeeling. Like the, the Falcon would make me sadder. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Why, why is that? Absolutely. Lando's had a good run. I mean, we'd all, like, we should all be so lucky to live a life like Lando. Right. Okay, fair enough capes. Yeah, all right. Bex, are you with Kyle on this one? I am. Yeah? Oh, my poor Lando. He never had a chance. Poor Lando. Poor guy. Oh, my goodness. All right, Bex, our final something blue for this evening. Which of these Episode Nine Rise of Skywalker scenarios would cause you to be more sad? Is it Ray's death or Raylo happening? Raylo happening. <laughs> you didn't even have to think nope, about that didn't one. Even okay. Have to think about it. Kyle? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> <Ray>. <laughs> uh, 
No, I mean, I, I joke about it. I, I take any any opportunity now to just gently poke the bear, but yes, I, I've I've made no secret. I'm not a huge Raylo guy. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with Ben Demption if depending on execution. I I don't know that I can cross the Raylo bridge. I don't know I can do it. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. There is consensus form tonight, and I have no problem with with people that want to go down that road and embrace that. I I'm curious about it, but. I'm not personally there, but it's fine. If it's somebody's thing, that's totally okay. Totally okay. Um, just out of curiosity, this isn't on my list, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Kyle, give me the complete destruction, the death of Ray, Finn, Kylo, and Poe, or, <laughs> or Leia. Which one makes me sadder? Yeah. Yeah, the group. Wow, I'm the, I'm the surprised. I'm surprised. I'm bra- I'm braced. I I've I've yeah. sort of died on I'm dying on the hill that I think Leia's going to survive mm. and be there at the end of 9. Yeah. I'm ready to die on that hill. But if she doesn't make it again, I mean the, the, the needs of the many, I guess, you know, there's four of them. They're still young. They've got a lot to live for. Let's 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 usher them along to the next era. Yeah, we'll see. I don't I I think she's going to make it too. I'm rooting for that. Bex, how about you? Definitely the destruction of the four. Because then if you're left with just Leia at the end, you have not only the sadness of losing them, but the hope that died with them. Yeah. Because Leia's already at the other end. That's true. Although we do have Broom Boy. (laughs) Broom Boy's... That's true. But we don't know where he's at at this point. Well, we don't, but I I suspect that, you know... I mean, he could have been swept away with the rest of them. Swept away? By whom? You're just pulling stuff out of the... Yeah. Broom Boy's going to be there. Broom Boy's going to be our savior. (laughs) You watch. All right. Good job, both of you. I really, really was hoping to get Regina on here because I wanted to see what she was going to say about this. So we'll have to maybe we'll save these four and come back later when she's on. uh, So for those of you that are are just tuning in or wondering like, hey, where's the, the third panelist? So we called Regina. And she was in the middle of writing a paper for grad school and had uh, forgotten that she was on the night. So <laughs> bless her little grad school heart. We, we let her off the hook. But um, hopefully she's going to get this whole adult priority thing down before we call her again in two weeks. And she'll be expecting <laughs> grad school. Come on. Whoever profited from that? <laughs> All right. Stick around with little tauntauns. We'll be right back with our closer look. I'm going in closer to one of the big ones. Closer? Closer? Closer, I have the view. A certain point of view. Same thing I always do, talk my way out of it. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. I never ask that question until after I've done it. You're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. That is the truth, Obi-Wan, and we can't wait to see that unfold on disney plus kyle did you sign up did you subscribe to disney plus i well i haven't yet i I don't know that i have the option to subscribe just yet i know that uh we we here up north are going to have it on november 12th i've just not seen anywhere where i can actually jump into that just yet. okay yeah and see that's interesting because i just thought being part of north america that you guys and the u.s and and mexico would have had the same opportunity but I guess when it comes to IP addresses, they can lock that stuff down fairly well and determine where you're going. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I know different legalities, cross-border, and blah, blah, blah. But bottom line, they've said 
Canada November 12th. So I'm going to hold them to that or I'm going to just start flipping tables. Yes, well, <laughs> and ergo the crazy Canadian. Um, <laughs> all right, so listen, we're, we're on part one of our series tonight, Heroes and Villains. And here's how this series is going to kind of unfold tonight. We're going to just talk about what makes for a great hero or, as I said at the top of the show, heroine. We're going to go on next week. We'll come back. We'll talk about... Actually, I shouldn't say next week because next week is actually show 200. We're taking a what? bit of a rabbit trail next week. But 201, episode 201 in two weeks, we'll be back with this particular series. We'll be talking about who our favorite female heroes the following week, who our favorite male heroes within the galaxy. And then our last two weeks, we'll be, of course, talking about our favorite villains. And um, I'm looking forward to that part in particular. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> let's just go ahead and talk about what makes for a great hero or, again, heroine? Can I just – are we okay, Bex, are we, if I just use the word hero tonight? Absolutely. Okay, thank you for your permission to do that. You're welcome. Uh, thank you. Bex, because you're so gracious and allow me to use the um, inappropriate gender label hero um, to describe even the female heroes that we're going to talk <laughs> about tonight, let me ask you this. How uh-huh. do you personally describe a hero or heroine? When it comes to the traits, what comes to mind? Um, let me look at my notes. Yes, please. <laughs> um, to me, someone who is a hero is someone who has strong convictions. If you look at um, heroes just from history, I immediately thought of like Martin Luther King Jr. Here's okay. this man. He took a stand against a wrong. Yeah. He did it in a nonviolent fashion. He put himself out there um, in a way that eventually caused great bodily harm. Mm. But... Um, you know, it was not a safe place for him to be. Heroes are rarely in safe places. Mm. They go out into the fray. They go out into the danger to protect and be a voice for those who can't protect themselves and have no voice. Yeah, that's that's good. I like that. The other part I like about that particular example using MLK Jr. is for as quintessential as he was to the civil rights movement of the United States in the 1960s, he was a very flawed man. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is an era that we look into our current climate, not just here in the United States, but globally. And boy, any flaws are just magnified a hundred times over. And I I don't even say this laughingly, like, thank goodness my high school days were not spent as high schoolers are now with Video evidence everywhere. (laughs) And I wasn't even that bad of a kid, but I did some knuckleheaded stuff. But Mm -hmm. it's just fascinating to me how the flawed characters of quote-unquote heroes of the past in our Mm -hmm. very real world may not be the same if we brought – like if we brought MLK as an example into today's culture, it would be very interesting to see how social media treated him. Right? Twitter and Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very fascinating. Kyle, how about you? When it comes to defining just the, the overall traits of someone that is labeled a hero, what comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I guess the obvious courage comes up. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, courage and uh, be bra- being brave enough to take action, uh, being noble. Mm-hmm. You know, put, putting your putting somebody else uh, ahead of your own needs or comfort. Mm. Uh, empathy, empathy to even see that there's a problem that needs taken care of. Yeah. And and of course, I guess along with that is is the uh, the moral compass mm. or you know yeah. good good judgment at the right time. Yeah, 
So well said. And I think that's one thing. In fact, I just talked about it with my classes last week as far as coming back to today's culture and climate. We are we're in this place of, of moral relativity. And so it gets, I think, in some ways, much, much more difficult to say that truth is truth and there, that there is absolute truth that actually exists mm-hmm. versus I, I think that a lot of the young adults that I work with are very much, hey, whatever you want to believe is good for you. That doesn't mean that I believe it. And they're missing the difference between being able to accept somebody mm-hmm. and affirm somebody. Those are two very different things. So I love where you're coming on that, Kyle. Let me follow up, though. When it comes to criteria of the hero, those things that you mentioned, do you think that those are true throughout time? Or do you think it's changed over time as far as the definition of what a hero is, Kyle? No, I, th- I think it's changed. Uh, I think in today's world, because we're all so connected and like the, all the world is truly a stage now, yeah. I yeah. think today there's more of an expectation, almost like a demand mm. for the people that have the means mm. and the platform and the ability to help and be a quote unquote hero. Mm. I, th- I think it's it's almost become uh, an expectation mm. that, that people will, will take some sort of action. And isn't it interesting, too? I know just in California, our governor signed a bill into law that said the public is no longer obligated to help first responders, in in particular police officers, Mm -hmm. if they need help in some type of situation, which is so fascinating to me. It's that's weird, man. It totally is, right? It totally is. It makes me really glad Jason is retired. Well, I'll say your husband is retired. Your dad is former mm-hmm. law enforcement. You you have actually a brother in the military or was in the mm-hmm. military. He's retired now. And and so from that perspective, Bex, like when you see culture, social media, like so readily reject people, mm-hmm. how how does that resonate with you having the background that you have? Oh, that's a dangerous question. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> you might have to bleep me a lot. No, no, no. Um, it honestly is very, very hard for me mm-hmm. um, because there is this, there is this blanket belief, mm-hmm. and granted, not everyone holds it, right? But there is this broad brushstroke belief that if and a police officer in particular is ever painted in a negative light. Not only must it obviously be true, but every other person who wears the badge mm. is exactly the same. Mm. And we've got to crucify them all. Yeah. And coming from a law enforcement family, that's very difficult for me because I know my dad right. and I know my husband and I right. know who they are right. and both are, incredible upstanding men mm-hmm. who are not perfect because they're people. Right. Um, but they chose to go into profession where they put a target on their chest every day, getting ready for work. Yeah. And they chose to protect people mm. who could not protect themselves. Yeah. And I mean, I remember having a conversation with a friend. He was angry about the retirement that police officers get. Somebody that was not in law enforcement. Who was not in law enforcement. And he actually was the father of a friend of mine. And we were discussing it. My dad had just retired. Mm -hmm. And my dad, during his stint as a policeman, was run over twice. Wow. He um, 
was on the Geraldo Rivera show because they were trying to, they were doing some big drug bust and the camera crew followed. And my dad was the first one through the door and the people inside lowered a shotgun into my dad's face and it's all on video. Wow. Um, and it's just this thought of, you have no idea what they face. Mm. You have no idea what they leave at the door when they come back home and try to be just a husband and a father. Right. And so to have this broad brushstroke statement of they're all terrible, it, it hurts. Yeah. Because you don't know the person behind the badge. You don't know that every morning my husband left when we had our infant son, I would kiss him goodbye and say, come home to me. Hmm. That is your one job today. Come home to me. Yeah. Yeah. And thank God he always did. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he didn't face things that I wish he had never faced right. or saw things that I wish he had never seen. Right. But he also saved people. Yeah. And for that, I would never ask him to change who he was. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Cause I know that you had to be super transparent in sharing that. I, I think that that's important. And I'll just kind of throw this disclaimer in whatever we're talking about, whether we're talking about heroes or law enforcement or military or any group, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to ever assume that, a handful of people represent everybody right. that's in that group. Right. I, I think that's a super dangerous place to go. So I'm glad that, that you brought that up in, in addition to just sharing from your heart what you were personally have gone through and experienced because of that. Kyle, let me ask you this. When we talk about those traits of a hero, and this goes, again, just beyond Star Wars, beyond cinema if you want to, but what do you think it is about heroes that just it makes their story so compelling, whether it's a cinematic version or a, a real life version. I, well, I think a lot of times it's when, when a hero starts they're in, they're in a tough spot and we look at them and you, you look at a Ray, for example, or Luke, they've got nothing. Mm. I mean, they've got a very, very modest lifestyle. If you can even call it that. Yes. And you watch it as step-by-step step, they become this hero and and they do it by, you know, almost instinctively doing the right thing. When even when that doing that right thing is really hard, and they would you go, why would they? Why 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 would they do that? Mm. Why not just go back home? Yeah. Like a lot of us yeah. would be like, you know, the game's on, man. I gotta get home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it it involves making difficult choices that mm. not a lot of us would tend to do. Mm. And, you know, it involves sacrificing things and and. You know, often yourself or relationships and um I, I think that's what makes them so compelling it's that they're aspirational that way we we see them doing these things that we i think we know we'd like to do if in that spot mm. um and, and it's also like this thing almost like a a rallying call to people to say this is what you can be this the, here here's here's the way mm. you know a character like superman for example is just like the height of of the aspirational hero yeah yeah. Yeah. You know, like here's what a good person does. Mm. I, I think that that and again, we can apply that standard to real life. We can apply it to cinematic world, however we're doing it. And I think there's definitely some some truth there that we all just kind of inherently understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we look at this concept of heroism and what makes it compelling, I, I mean, I remember back to my first psychology class in college and it talked about why people go to the movies just in general, not even necessarily to see a hero, but they talked about 
the obvious escapism. Mm-hmm. They they talked about coping strategies, but then they also talked about like seeing other people do things where they could actually maybe not do themselves, but to try to garner hope that maybe one day, Bex, you and Kyle both touched on this, that maybe one day under the similar circumstances that I could be the hero. And suffice to say, I think that that has to do with some percentage of the the blowback with Luke Skywalker's portrayal in episode eight, that so many people were locked on to what I think they saw as either a, a flawless hero or a hero whose flaws were so minor that it would never be carried to the extent that that Ryan Johnson chose to take it in. And, and, and that's another discussion for another time, but I think that that kind of comes into contact with what we talked about earlier in this particular part of our segment tonight, and that is that we're dealing with fallible people. Yeah. And quite frankly, I think that that's some of the things that makes some heroes super appealing to me is I see that they're fallible people just like me, mm-hmm. but as John Wayne once said, like they're scared to death, but they saddle up anyway. Yep. And, and I think that, that that's part of something that we all would like to tap into at some point. Bex, you you kind of talked about this, and so I, I want to stick with Kyle on this part of it. And Kyle, from your perspective, what are some of the burdens that you think comes along with being a hero, whether it is on the screen or in real life? Uh, well, I think I think you know using your ability to help, whatever form that takes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think you know. The way I look at it is, is is that it can take you out of your comfort zone. Mm. Like you know, I keep making the the, the uh, painting the picture of you know I gotta go home watch the game. The, the game's on. Uh, right, right. That's my life. This is what I do. But no, like maybe maybe I need to do something else today. Maybe maybe there's a there's another calling for me to do today. Maybe someone needs my help. Mm. So you got You have to be able to step away from your your little comfort zone and, and step into a, a larger role for somebody who might need your assistance that in that moment. Mm-hmm. And do you think Kyle that some of the burdens that we place on heroes whether they're real burdens or or just kind of the these self ideas that we're just kind of projecting on them do you think that, that that's a fair burden for quote unquote heroes to have to carry? I guess it depends on the scale of hero. I mean, if we're talking about superheroes, then yeah, sure, it's fair. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and we I'm, I'm sure they can handle it. Yeah. Sure. If we've, if we've got supernatural powers, be it the force or something that the Avengers, sure. But there's also like the single parent who's working two jobs and, and raising a kid. I mean, that's nothing short of superhero skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like not, not every, not every heroic act involves, you know, right wielding a sword exactly. or charging into battle with a blaster. There's lots of heroic actions. And Bex was talking about it with, with her members of her family. They do heroic stuff every single day. Yeah. And at, but at the end of the day, a lot of these people, teachers, law enforcement, military, they are people, mm-hmm. they do need breaks and they need, they need, they, they can't be, they're not robotic that way. They, they can't, they're not programmed. They're programmed of course, but they're right. They're not automatons that right. can just keep doing it over and over and over and over until they just give up. They do need the time to sort of regenerate themselves a bit. So, yeah, depending on who we're talking about, for sure that the uh, the burden can get a little heavy. You know, it's been somehow, it's been over 10 years ago, but roughly 10 years ago, I think it was 2008, Will Smith was in a film called Hancock. that was about a completely flawed person with superhero powers, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where... 
he just like outright rejected the powers to like help anybody for a variety of reasons. And so I'm curious, Bex, <laughs> we, we touched on this a little bit, but when it comes to real people mm-hmm. who have real flaws, mm-hmm. real shortcomings, do you think that the heroes that we look at today, and unfortunately I think too many people that play professional athletes are, are lumped in as heroes when they don't necessarily need to be. They just have extraordinary athletic ability. Mm-hmm. But do you think when we look at people that we unintentionally put them on too high of a pedestal, where we expect because I'll use, um, forgive me for this, I I'll, but I'll use like Tim Tebow as an example. Okay, I wouldn't like necessarily like say that I'm a Tim Tebow fan. Who, for those of you who are unaware, was an American football quarterback, uh, both at the college and the professional level, that some absolutely loved and some absolutely hated. He's very well known for his faith beliefs okay and you can agree or disagree with that part of it I'm, I'm fine with that it won't impact me either way but <laughs> some people are so in a hurry to tear other people down or mm-hmm. to find the flaws in somebody and almost revel in it to some extent mm-hmm. do you think that where we are right now in 2019 soon to be 2020 it's tougher to be a hero at any other point in history absolutely and why is that because of this handy little thing we all have in our pocket <laughs> called the phone and it has a video camera on it. Mm. And so not only do you catch the heroic act, yeah. but then you catch the hero throwing up in the bushes afterwards mm. because what they just did terrified them. Yeah. And you catch the fact that right before they did this heroic act, they were in a shouting match with their spouse or mm. whatever it is. There's no longer this... Um, just ability to praise someone for doing something that was right. Like that act in the that moment. That act in the moment. Right. It is. And the moment you do have that, where you can just look at that act in the moment, you have these people pop up from the side, you know, from the peanut gallery, and they're like, ah, uh-uh, but I went to junior high with this guy. And it's he, very true. you know, pantsed me and then pushed me into the girls' locker room right. or whatever it was. Right. And it becomes this huge. Hunt to find the worst parts of them yeah. to show you're actually no better than the rest of us. Yeah, and I don't quite understand why we want to do that as a society. Yeah, but I think that's what we do to our heroes now: is we have our hero and we build them up and build them up until it gets to the point where, we're like, oh wait, you've gotten too high. Even though I'm the one who built the altar to you, yeah. I now have to start pulling the bricks out yeah. to make you fall. It, it's so interesting that, and uh, forgive me, I don't recall which news anchor it was, but there was a news anchor that when President Clinton was in mm-hmm. office, and of course, for those of you that are around during that time, you know that there was a, a little bit of a scandal, which, which quite frankly is small potatoes to what's going on in this country today. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but nonetheless... I forget how many millions. I want to say like $10 million was spent investigating what he was accused of. And one of the news anchors said, give me $10 million and anybody who I investigate, I'll find dirt on him. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that, that like that's so true. Like I'm not here to say that that was a waste of $10 million or that um, Clinton was right or wrong or whatever. But the, the, the point remains is that there's dirt on all of us. You mm-hmm. just got to dig deeper. Right. Kyle, I'm curious from your perspective, 
when we look at and Hancock would kind of fall into this, but like the anti-hero, I would I would almost say Jin Urso plays with that. Saw Gerrera plays with that. It's not so much a reluctance of taking the hero's journey as it is, I, I just don't want to do this. And even Jen Urso at some <laughs> point kind of like she's doing things kind of for her own reason, right? It's about mm -hmm. her dad. So kind of when we look at stuff like that, how would you, I guess, personally define what an anti-hero is? Uh, I mean, quite simply, I, I just think it's, it's somebody who inadvertently or reluctantly does the right thing. Hmm. Yeah. Or, they, you know, they, ha they have a, in, in the case of Saw Gerrera, Fighting the Empire, mm. objectively good. Methods, questionable. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> you know? yes. Absolutely. He doesn't care about the wake of destruction. Or I guess for him, the ends justify the means. Yeah. And I think that could apply maybe kind of broadly to, to a lot of anti-heroes. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think you know, even a guy like Wolverine, mm. you know, uh, murder, killing, it's, it's, it's fine as long as you get the right person in the end. <laughs> Well, I mean, there. I, I guess there's a little bit of truth to that. I, I'm curious, Kyle, let me stick with you on this. When we when we look at that, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago on USW about hero this and hero that. And we almost always see that through the lens of the rebels or the resistance. But we look at some things, whether it was video games or comics, we, we sometimes overlook, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that... The Empire has heroes too. Yeah, we do, and I don't. I don't know how I feel about this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess it goes. Well, it goes back, I think, to the even the opening crawl of of Revenge of the Sith, mm -hmm. where George Lucas said there are heroes on both sides. Yeah. And at the time, you know, we didn't have all this expanded canon to sort of flesh out that idea, right? And I, and I, I never really got that. And frankly, to this day, I still kind of scratch my head a little bit with mm. that line. But now, certainly. Uh, since the Disney takeover in this era, there's been a, a much more concerted effort to take certain Imperials and make you think twice about them mm. and make and, and paint them in almost a sympathetic light. Yeah. You know, looking at Lost Stars. Mm. There's a whole Very group cool. of kids in that book yeah. who you're like, I love these kids. <laughs> and you catch yourself going, oh, God, I'm rooting for the Empire. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, And they've done that multiple times. And, you know, to the point where you watch somebody who openly admits to committing genocide mm. in Agent Callus. Yeah. And by the end, you know, we we are pulling for him and his mutton chops. Like, yeah. <laughs> hot Callus becomes a yes. thing. Yes. We want him just, we want him and, and Zeb to be a thing. And that happened. And yes. it's like, everybody loves Callus. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a bizarre thing. And it's happening over and over and over. And I'm, I'm not sure I like it, but here we are. It's super perplexing. I'm totally on board with you on this because I, I've used this example a couple times. That is, you know, Director Krennic at the beginning of Rogue One. Like, he has me. He has me when it's just like, oh, yeah. if, if systems come under our control, we'll restore order. I'm just like, brilliant. I like order. Order's good. Efficiency's awesome. Right? And then kind of like you, I'm just like, oh, but wait, wait. Like, I don't think my order is the kind of order that he wants, per se. <laughs> And, and it's exactly or, it's order is what allows me there. to sit down on the couch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'm not going as far as like, you know, Barb the Canadian's genocide, but um, I, I bring some planets under control may not be a bad thing. I mean, the police state. I don't know. Maybe. No. Listen. <laughs> so here we go. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Just kidding, folks. Bex, from your perspective, <laughs> we, we look at 
the lens of Star Wars in particular, or we can just take cinema in general. And it's interesting to, to look at both sides. Mm-hmm. I, as a history teacher, I, I try to tell kids, well, no, let me rephrase it. I do tell kids, whether they retain it or not is up to them, but I, I do tell kids that one of the things that I learned when I was studying um, criminal law, my, my criminal law professor, Professor Harris, said, how many sides are there to a coin, right? And most of the people said, I want two sides. And, and he said, no, you know, there's heads, tails, and there's that ridge around the middle. And, and that's the job that historians, in his case, uh, criminal law professors try to get to, right? There's my version of the events. There's your version of the events. And somewhere in there is probably where, where truth lies. With that in mind, mm-hmm. let's just kind of springboard on where we've been talking from. Should we at all have, gosh, empathy for the empire, for the first order? I mean, I want to say no. <laughs> but? <laughs> but I think Kylo's one of the greatest heroes for the Empire, for the First Order. Wow. I mean, him taking out Snoke was one of the best scenes ever. And I cheered when he did that. Yeah. And part of me was hopeful that that was the redemption we were going to see. And then he went totally cuckoo yeah yeah yeah. one step closer to cuckoo one step closer but even when he and ray were talking after the battle scene and it was just you know join me and we can create it the way it's meant to be yeah no more jedi no more sith just order right we can make this happen he's not wrong he i know i know and so (laughs) Yeah. You know, so in that way, I yeah. I mean, he's he's a great hero for the first order. It's the way he wants to go about it. Yeah, exactly. That I like can't yeah. Get and, and that was where we get back to the motivation, right? Like his right. motivation is power. His motivation is not order for the sake of like order and no, harmony. <laughs> well, I think it is though in his warped perspective. So long as he's at the top of the food as chain. As long sure. as he is at the top of the food chain. Yeah. But with him being at the top of the food chain, yeah. then it will all trickle down and yeah. everything will be peaceful yeah. because he will keep the chaos at bay. Yeah. Well, and we have real world examples of that in not the too distant future of our own lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen, I am not, listen, dear listeners, I am not like here to like give uh, platitudes and affirmations to Saddam Hussein. Nope. But I'll tell you what, Compared to the dumpster fire that's going on there right now, the guy had things locked up. Mm-hmm. I digress. <laughs> I digress. Kyle, from your perspective, let, let's kind of take a, a cinematic look at at heroes. And from a non-Star Wars perspective, though, and, and so what are some of those heroes in cinema history that, man, you just resonate with them so much and they've either like, given you something that you otherwise couldn't get as far as courage or whatever it was that it really just like speaks to you. Well, I've always responded as a kid from the time I was a kid up until now, a guy like Optimus Prime, a mm. robot like Optimus Prime. Wow. He's just like the ultimate of like the noble hero. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just one example. Uh, recently in, in it, with the MCU, Captain America mm. is just like, how can you go wrong with Captain America? Like, He's got these this great line of like when I see a situation heading south, I can't sit still. You know he he yeah. he, ha- he feels compelled to act. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and I, I'd, also, I'd also throw in any character played by uh, Sean Astin. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, truly. Specifically and especially my, my uh, um, Samwise Gamgee. He's yeah. just... Totally talk about a guy list. who has no right to be a hero. Yeah. Yet he might be the, the greatest hero in the entire Lord of the Rings saga. Like the guy is just... You don't see hero when you look at Samwise Gamgee. No, I don't but think yet, that's a stretch at all. And he's he's just he's the best. And then uh, one for Eve, um, Hopper from Stranger Things. Oh gosh, like she's melting just this right big, now. <laughs> but and she's right. Like Hopper is amazing. He's just this big lazy oaf, and he you know he he'd rather be anywhere rather than doing his job. He'd rather be on the couch yes. like smoking cigarettes yes. with his up to his elbow and a bag of chips. He's like, my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah, he's every but. But especially, like the closer he gets to the, this group of, of of kids, and especially L, like the 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 bigger hero he becomes, mm. like he he steps into that role sometimes reluctantly, but you know he he does those things that we look to a hero to do. I yeah. totally with you. Those are all great calls. Yeah, I was going through. So the things that came to mind when it came to Sean Astin, right? Rudy, Lord of the Rings, Goonies. Is there what am mm-hmm. I what am I forgetting? Those, I don't know. Those Everything the, else he's done. That, those are the got to be at the top of the list, though. Especially Rudy. That that is one of the films that I can still. Rudy. I, I just I'll start crying. I am so weepy with that film. And that is perfectly fine. <laughs> Thank it's, you. There's, Thank there's, you for there's, there's two me. movies at least where it's it's <laughs> encouraged for men to just let it flow, and it's it's Rudy, and it's Field of Dreams. Ooh. And if you don't cry during either, you are dead inside. It's true. <laughs> It's true. You should be off committing gun gun genocide somewhere. <laughs> oh my gosh. Bex, what about you when it comes to cinematic heroes not from the Star Wars galaxy? Who do you resonate with? Well, Kyle stole Samwise from me. No, you can <laughs> use that. Oh, no. It's not, a, it's not a one one or nothing. Uh, he is probably my most favorite character in the Lord of the Rings. Really? Him and Aragon. Yeah. Because I talk about a reluctant hero. Yeah. He does not want to be dragged in at yeah. all. But he pledges right. that he'll, you know, walk yeah. by Frodo. Yeah. Which I just love. I don't love Frodo. He's not a good hero. <laughs> um Frodo is all of us, I think though. <laughs> Frodo is I'll all of us. He's all and then the I'm gonna terribleness be totally, of us. Yes, exactly. And then I'm totally gonna be tempted. Yes. <laughs> and I'm gonna give in over yeah. and over and yeah. over. Yeah. And it's gonna that's, take yeah. you know that that's my morning before lunchtime even rolls around. <laughs> it's gonna take the backup character yeah. that nobody thought was gonna be the hero. Exactly right. He's gonna be the one to literally carry me up the hill. Yes. Yes. So all right, so we got yeah. Samwise. So Samwise. Yeah. Um, I mean, just really anybody from the Lord of the Rings is so good. Um, I put down Indiana Jones. Okay. Because he's not, he's like that atypical hero. He is so incredibly flawed, Mm -hmm. but he always comes out on the side of doing what's right. Mm. And I mean, it's not necessarily for like, you know, world peace and all of these things, but in his archaeological niche. Yeah, he's a historian. He's, I'm all for this. Yeah, he's the one that is making sure that those artifacts are where they're supposed to be and the world can enjoy them. And so in his realm and sphere of influence, I think he's quite heroic. Yeah, I I can't push back against that at all. Anybody else? No, those are really my... And I wrote down the Avengers. 
just generically. <laughs> just generically. But I will say my top anti-hero non-Star Wars world yeah. is Thanos. Really? Yes. Whoa. Yes. Because his whole thought process was he was doing it for, in his mind, very correct reasons. Yeah. He just went about it really, really badly. Yeah. Well, I think well you, the thing with Thanos, you know what, is is that we, we deify him up above the border with our depopulation problems. And we were petitioning to have him put on our $5 bill. Stop it. No way. Yeah. We want, we're going to get, we're putting Thanos on our $5 bill because, you know, <laughs> we want to keep our, our vast country depopulated. That and so we, we endorse legit. Thanos's ideas oh up here. Oh my gosh. That is great. That is great. Duncan genocide. Yeah. It's something, something about it. What's in those well, beaver tails? Um, <laughs> let me throw, can I throw another name in yeah, there? Yeah, absolutely. Just because I, I think he's got a line of dialogue, which embodies heroism period and it's it's uh and this is gonna kill you Devin. i'm sorry it's mr spock oh that doesn't that's i'm fine with spock he's okay. logical well, the, the, it, his well his line of the needs of the many ah. outweighing the needs of the few as he jumps into that room where it's, it's filled with deadly radiation blah 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 spoilers yeah. yeah he's like that and then he yeah he gives kirk that that line and it's just like yeah that's a hero mm. it's a guy who knows he's going to die if he does this but the needs of the many and so this is what needs to be done. I will do it. Watch this. I'm going to blow y'all's mind right now because Sean Astin did that in 24 with Keeper Sutherland because hmm. there, there is uh, people have seen it. Oh, you need, you need to go watch it. You need to go watch it. Right. And I'll tell you some other stuff about 24 in a second, but, but Sean Astin literally like saves this um, anti-terrorist agency of the United States government because he goes into the office that I think it's VX or Sarin nerve gas is already out there. And he knows he can only hold his breath for like 60 seconds or whatever. But if he doesn't do that, then everybody in the building dies. So he like holds his breath for as long as he can. He goes, he, I think he unlocks something so everybody else can be free, but he, he does that. So welcome to unmistakably uh, Sean, Sean Astin. Astin, Sean Astin in stranger <laughs> things season two. As there you Bob. go. There you go. It's, it's all right. You know, I got to meet Sean Astin a few years ago. And he is every bit the prince of a human being you'd think. Really? I'd he love is, to hear that. Truly. He's just so warm and engaging. Just exactly the way you think he would be. That is Sean Astin. Wow. Okay. Let's get him on the show. We need to get him on the show. Yeah. Let's work on that. Bex, I'm putting you I'll on do, that. I'll do what I can. Right, sweet. I follow him now on Twitter. That oh, hurt, well, right? we're practically there. That's awesome. Um, so this is, I learned of this person through cinema. And so the actor that portrayed this person isn't so much the hero, but like this person became a hero at a very young age. When I was in fourth grade, my family was prepping for this big multifamily, like week-long trip to go to Waterslide Land, right? Waterworld was actually before the before the movie ever came along, there was Waterworld in Sacramento, California. And can can you say Waterslide like Napoleon in Bill and Ted? I don't know. How do they say it? <laughs> Water slide. Water slide. Oh, that was much more like water, actually. Um, ah, water slide. Um, and, and so they've been, we've been planning for, I don't know how long the adults are planning this. And I happened to stay up late one night, which means it's probably like nine o'clock. But I stayed up late and I watched this movie that had come on one of the three television channels that we had at the time. It's a 1934 film um, 
Pride of the Yankees starring Gary Cooper portraying Lou Gehrig, the baseball player. And I watched that and I don't even know that I blinked during that film. And I was so enamored with this guy named Lou Gehrig, who was a baseball player that, I mean, talking about Sean Astin being like everything you would want to be. I mean, every account I've ever read about Lou Gehrig is very much like that. Mm-hmm. And I told my dad the next day, because it was during baseball season, Little League Baseball, right? Like, whatever. So I told my dad the next day, I'm just like, hey, by the way, I know you and mom and, you know, the neighbors have been planning this trip for a while, but I'm going to be staying behind because I'm not going to miss my baseball game. <laughs> my dad's like, what are you talking about? I'm just like, no, no, it's true. And so straight up, the family went on vacation and I stayed at somebody's house that was on the baseball team because I wasn't going to miss my Little League Baseball game. Wow. Who's the real here, Devin? <laughs> you are. Wow. I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I may have actually pitched that day, so it, it's possible that I was, Kyle. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just, for those of you that know little about Lou Gehrig or, or baseball, so he had he played in 2,130 consecutive games, wow. which was a record up until the late 1980s. And he was known as the Iron Horse. I mean, he played alongside Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio and what was considered Murderer's Row, the 1927 New York Yankees, and was just this guy who grew up on super, super humble beginnings. His mom worked two jobs, uh, being a janitor and a cook, in order for him to uh, go to college. And he ended up playing at Columbia and then getting drafted by the Yankees. And it's just this fantastic story. And so we get Lou Gehrig's disease from the ALS that he contracted. He was, I wouldn't say he's the first one to get it, but obviously he was the first one that of that notoriety of that Mm -hmm. stature where it really became kind of a a household name as far as diseases go. I don't think that's like the best that you actually necessarily get named a disease or a disease named after you. But nonetheless, um, Kyle, give me a a real world hero. Do Do you have somebody that... In the real world, whether you know the person or not, you go like that. That person is just they they display something that I really like. Uh, well, I, I also again sticking on the diamond. Um, <laughs> I, I was playing in the softball league one year, and it's just like beer league Sunday softball. Yes, uh, but I remember this this one time at one of the games. It was, it was after the game, and uh, somebody brought their small kid, like toddler, three years old, two years old. Um, and they were petting somebody else's dog. And, you know, sometimes dogs being unpredictable as they can be, yes. the dog turned on the kid. And I don't, I don't know if the kid poked the dog in a way that was uncomfortable, but the do- big dog turned on the kid. Mm. And the dog was leashed and, you know, the owner's like restraining it, but the dog, it snapped and it went after this little kid. And um, this guy who's a, a friend of my, a teammate of mine, sitting on the bench, he was like 20 feet away, just, and this all happens in like three to four seconds. Mm. Boom, off the bench, flies in there from 20, 25 feet away between the the dog and the kid. Wow. And just in, in almost like this fell, one fell swoop, kind of gets in between them, grabs the dog by the collar, kind of spins him around, puts the dog down on its side, and just like puts his knee on the dog's neck and just holds it down. Wow. And the dog just like settles right down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a pretty thick dude. Yeah, like he has yeah. like, almost like running back build. Yeah. And so he's he's just and I guess the dog just knows. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. But then, and so I was like, that could have gone really badly. Uh, and he yeah. just, you know, and to to throw your body in there, you know, he could have been the guy to get mauled. Right. Yeah. You right. know, and 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 like really, this thing just took three or four seconds, and 
there's hardly, there's no time to think that through. Mm. You just go. Right. Mm-hmm. Just reaction. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, also, not, not, you know, not for nothing, but this guy is also a nurse, which are just like the salt of the earth people, right? <laughs> All right. He's an overachiever. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Oh, that's an, that's amazing though. How long ago was that? Because you told it so vividly that it's obviously. Oh no, it, it has stuck with me. This this was two thousand four. Oh man, that's wow. incredible. I, I won't forget it. It was it was around this time in two thousand four actually. Wow, it was, it was right around the play, like softball playoff time, which would for for us is about this time of year. Oh, that's incredible. Dang. Bex, how about you? Well, I'm kind of sappy. Well, I mean that's okay. <laughs> we've already we've already said that crying's okay. We're it's loud. It's true. It's true. Uh, I. My dad, yeah, being in law enforcement, yeah. My brother, being in the military, yeah. Um, the fact that they're both willing. My brother went nine deployments. Good night. Um, wow. You know he. He's just an amazing man. Yeah, and he came home from all nine deployments. Yeah. Uh, and then my husband. Not just because of, what he did when he was part of law enforcement yeah. but um as many of our unmistakably family knows mm-hmm. um he was diagnosed with cancer and um the fight that he put up and mm. went through mm. uh the particular type of cancer he was diagnosed with had a seven percent recovery rate and we hit let's say five years from trans he ended up with a bone marrow transplant mm-hmm. so Five years from bone marrow transplant was last April. Wow. There was a 7% chance that he would make it. Wow. But I I remember very vividly, a lot, but <laughs> I remember very vividly October 30th, mm. 2013, we got the phone call from the doctor saying what that he had cancer. And like every wife does, you turn to Dr. Google at three o'clock in the morning Ooh, when dangerous. you can't sleep. Yeah. And, you know, I'm reading everything there is to read about acute myeloid leukemia and mm. what it means for our family. Our son had just turned one and I'm <sighs> crying, yeah. trying not to wake up my husband mm. and he rolls over and goes, cause he'd already read it. Yeah. And he goes, babe, I'm better than 93%. There you go. And I'm like, okay, well you better be cause I'm not <laughs> raising this kid yeah. <laughs> by myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so I mean, in a lot of ways, what I watched him go through physically, what I see him deal with physically day to day from the side effects of the treatment that right. saved him yeah. by killing him, mm. um, I, it, it it's just heroic to me. Yeah. And so to tack on to that, we have our very own special guardian angel, this woman named Josie, mm. who... She is a real life hero to us mm. because she is Jason's bone marrow donor. Mm. And it wasn't until two years after his um, transplant that we were allowed to have contact with her because it's all anonymous. Yeah. And so we now have more family. Mm. Um, and she lives in Germany and we haven't met her in person yet, but mm. we talk via Google Messenger and. Um, she is our hero yeah. because all she was told was that a 33 year old man in the United States needed her bone marrow. Wow. And she said, yes. Yeah. And just for our listeners that don't know, that's not a painless process. No, no, it's not. 
um, for a week beforehand, you have to give yourself injections in your stomach to make your bone marrow overproduce. Mm. Um, your bone marrow, where they pull it from, is your hip bones. Mm-hmm. And um, so for a week, she gave herself these injections in her stomach and then went in and they harvested the bone marrow. Wow. And yeah. It's incredible. And yeah, then it flew here. Yeah. Um, So she's incredible. That's absolutely insane when you think about the scope of that. Those are my sappy heroes. (laughs) Those aren't sappy at all. Me being sappy about my heroes. (laughs) Like that that is it's incredible to think about that. I mean, and the fact that you guys haven't met, I know is 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 rubbing everyone involved really the wrong way because it's I know that you all have a desire to do that. And so I'm hopeful that you guys get that opportunity. We're hoping June of next year we'll be able to go to Germany. Wow. So have, have you Bex ever been a hero yourself? Not that I'm aware of. No. Be, I mean, beyond being like, you know, carrying a child inside <laughs> your womb. Well, yeah, I mean, I did that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, not that I'm aware yeah. of. Although to kind of tag on to yeah. my heroes, I am signed up and be the match. And I'm really hoping that yeah. I will get that phone call saying that I am somebody's. Yeah. Match. So that the be the matches, of course, the be organization, the matches, the organization the that, yep, the... that, uh, people who are in need of bone marrow, yeah. um, transplants yeah. that you do a little cheek swab and send it in. And then if, I mean, you could save someone's life. Yeah. And in fact, we, we did that. You, Jeremy and I did yep. that. Here uh, in the studio. I have the pictures. Studio. I mean, that was like year one or something. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Wow. I totally remember that. So Good. you too could be a hero. I, I, yeah, well, that's, that's amazing. I inject myself every day though. I don't know, man. Would you come over and maybe you inject me? I, you know what? I learned how to do it. You did? I did. Oh, come on over. Could totally do yeah. it. Me abdomen es su abdomen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kyle, have you had a chance to be a, a hero, whether great or small? I think in small ways. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, we had our honeymoon in uh, in El Salvador. Wow. And um, you know, I, w- I went out swimming and got, I went out a little too far and there was a few other people out there, uh, but it was really wavy. Like you should, we shouldn't have been out there. Mm. Like we're, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in water maybe six and a half feet deep, mm. which is not terribly deep, but deeper than I am tall. So, you know, as, <laughs> that that's that in itself right, right. Is, a, is a danger. Um, but the waves were really pretty high that day like four mm. or five foot waves wow. there, there had just been a hurricane in central america or yeah central america not or actually i think it was it was a big one out near chile uh a, a couple of days earlier so okay. the, the water was was pretty rough and uh there, there was a woman um and she, she was in pr- pr- like pretty serious trouble and so i made my way over to her and and kind of hauled her back to where she could at least touch bottom which was which was difficult <laughs> yeah. you know i i I'm I am not a, a, a frogman swimmer. I'm not a Navy SEAL yes, by any stretch, right, but you right. know, once I was able to touch bottom, it was easier t- for me to haul her back uh, to, to safer to safer de- safer depth. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so that's that's a small thing, but also I don't think that was and very this small. Is kind of a big deal. <laughs> well, who knows what would have happened, you know? But now, I, have I, to, I like to think that I I did the woman a favor. I, I will. <laughs> um, I, I have to ask though. So, being on your honeymoon, did you come back and be like, "So you married the right guy to your wife"? <laughs> no, well, it's funny because she was smart enough not to go in the water with me, and I'm like, "You wouldn't believe what just happened." And she's like, "What?" And I'm like, "And she's like, oh, that, well, stop going out there, dummy.'" 
nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was serious. Like it was pretty, it was tough because like, you don't realize it, but the waves, the like the strength, that's where I learned like how strong the ocean can be. Yeah. Like it just, it picks you up like you are nothing. Yep. And it drove, it, 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 it had literally picked me up and slammed me into the ocean floor, mm. which was just all sand. Yeah. And it just drags you around. Yeah. Yeah. And my elbows and knees were both like shredded. Wow. And it, it was like almost like to the point, like if someone drag, drag you across a carpet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just like, your knees are all ripped up. Your elbows are all ripped up. And I'm like, oh my God, like that was one like body slam into the sand. Yeah. No. Boy, Once. No. And it, you know, that, and that's what happened. Wow. And another time, like it was like this, uh, almost like a, this is, this is my moment of like Jedi precognition. <laughs> I was, I was coaching in my daughter's softball and this is like girls eight and under and a bunch of them are standing in the on deck area and there was another girl at the plate and just for a sec, I don't know why this came over me. I'm like, she's going to throw her bat and it's going to hit these kids in the on deck area. Uh-oh. And just as she swings, sure enough, the bat comes helicoptering out of her hands Oh my gosh! as I'm like getting in the way. So the bat, this aluminum baseball bat comes and just like hits me in the midsection, mm. but if I wasn't there, the girl behind me, one foot behind me, would have taken it right to the chops. Oh my gosh! Which would have been a horror scene. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. So, but and, and I don't know why or how, but something just said, "Move this way right now," because that that bat's coming out of her hand. Yeah, it's funny when we kind of get those little like cosmic pushes to do this mm-hmm. or that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting tables in college, and it was like a busy Saturday night, and the restaurant was hopping, and. Uh, my se- this is this is how long ago it was. We had a smoking section in the restaurant, right? <laughs> and I was working the smoking section. And I had uh, two guests that, at the time, I don't know, they were older than me, so it probably means they were like in their 30s, right? And, Ooh, and, they and they're old. eating, they're, they're, they're on, the, on their date, and all of a sudden, the woman starts choking. And at first, I'm looking at her, and I look at the dude she's with, and like, he's not doing anything. And then so she starts like, mimicking like she can't breathe and it was Kylie talked about like that one fell swoop with that guy with a dog I, I just kind of like jumped in there and grabbed her and I just started doing the Heimlich not that I had ever been trained in the Heimlich but <laughs> and I started doing that and like sure enough like the piece of steak was dislodged and it went flying across to uh table 204 as a matter of fact and <laughs> and, and in doing that like she had knocked over like a, this big like um, ramekin of ranch dressing onto the onto the floor, and for whatever reason, this restaurant had navy blue carpet. But anyway, and so and so. Well, you know what? There are people out there saying ranch dressing. I Devin. Yeah, I know. Maybe you know. I know. It, it is what it is. <laughs> and, and and so she's like, "Oh, thank you, thank you." And and the guys she's with like, "Wow, what just happened?" And. <laughs> And so, like, I'm just like, hey, you know, no problem, no problem. And I start cleaning up the the ranch dressing on the floor on the ground next to her. And she's like, oh, it, it, here, here. And she's, like, trying to slip me money, right? For, like, not like a tip, but, like, a tip no. to save her life. She does. And I'm just like, no, ma'am, you don't have to give me any money for this. She's like, oh, no, no, I, you deserve it. You know, please take it. I'm just like, no, no, ma'am. And so we go back and forth for, I don't know, maybe four or five volleys of it. And she's like, no, seriously, you just saved my life. I want you to take this. And so she put it in my hand, and this is where sometimes I just need to learn to shut up because I unfolded. It was it was a twenty dollar bill, and I go, "Really, only twenty dollars for your life?" You're totally joking. <laughs> but 
and oh, she like she, <laughs> I know, I know. But you would totally expect me to say that. And so I'm just like, I'm just kidding. And so like she starts laughing, and the guys like still, what what's going on? Like he just had missed the entire thing. So um, we're connected on Facebook. No, we're not connected on Facebook. Um, that, that's my only time I've ever been close to being a hero that I know about. I don't know. I was a single parent for 12 years. I guess that might kind of count. That Shout out to my single yeah. parents sure. out there. Yeah. Good times. And I know your son. You did good. Yeah. Everything I did good was a, 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 a product of me of him being good. And then the, the times that he would just, a goober, were just all his own decisions. Well, he wasn't yeah. listening to me. <laughs> if kids just listen, they'd be fine. Just like my classroom every day. You'll be fine if you just listen. Just listen. Write this down. Oh, my goodness. I, I love that where we're going with this because I'm excited now that we've kind of laid the foundation for this. We actually get to apply this down the road and talk about some of the heroes and villains that really stand out to us and, and why. And I'm excited. I think it's going to be different for everybody. So I, that's, that's a good thing. So listen up, Tauntauns. Um, we're going to take a very, very quick break. And when we come back, we've got some announcements for you. So stick around because we ain't done with you yet. We're not done yet. Well, this would be the time I toss it on over to Eve, but Eve is away on special assignment. That's podcast ease for not feeling well tonight. Um, and so I, it is up to me to get through these announcements. Uh, as we mentioned the last couple weeks, friends, if you haven't already subscribed to Friends of the Force podcast, uh, Brad Whipple and Friends of the Force has joined the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, which of course features USW Friends of the Force, as well as Sky Talkers and Geeky Bubble slash the Wookie Gunner slash Rebels Chat. Donna Marie is a busy woman. She and Mom. Yes, man. she is. Yeah, so make sure that you uh, subscribe to Brad and Friends of the Force. Also coming up, as I mentioned at the top of the show, next week is episode 200. What? Bex, let me just say this. that I, I just started teaching a podcasting class as an elective for high school students. And they're all so giddy about hearing themselves talk and making fun little intro music and outro music. And I said, listen, when you get to a point where the last thing you want to do is hit record, but you still do it, then you're a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, are you with me? Do you understand yep. that? Uh, yep, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy to have done this for 200 straight weeks without a break. Um, it's definitely been a wonderful midlife crisis for me. More on that next week. Um, but we want to obviously want to share that milestone with you guys. So stick around for episode 200 next week. I've got here my notes, a day long remembered. Evacuate in a moment of triumph. Um, and then, of course, um, patrons, uh, stay tuned to the patron um, hotwire there. We're going to have another patron-only Google Hangout coming later this month. We've got so many time zones we're trying to coordinate with. So we might try a little bit of a different time this next go around. So I will be sure to let you all know via Patreon. And uh, as always, we appreciate your support. For those of you that are just finding out about Unmistakably Star Wars or maybe just hanging out with us for a few episodes, we thank you for being part of the extended USW family. We couldn't do it without you. And if we could, we wouldn't want to. We also want to thank our patrons who are so generous with their financial means and help keep the lights 
on and the podcast recorder recording talking about Brandon Boylan, who, by the way, is part of the Clashing Sabres, not to be confused with Tumbling Sabres, the Clashing Sabres podcast. Derek DuVernay, Dave Hackerson, Michelle Grandine, Matthew Keegan, who, by the way, listeners, if you haven't already purchased Matthew Keegan's book via Amazon, you need to go purchase it because this man is on fire. We've been exchanging some DMs and, you know, one of his first, I guess, is it a treatment or outline, whatever it is, got picked up by producers to be made into a film. And now there's talk of a second one of his works being picked up to be made into film. So go to Amazon, buy Matthew Keegan's book, and and then like tell him that you bought it and how much you're enjoying it. Spell his last name. You know what? Go, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Kyle. Well, I, I, you know, Matt Keegan is one of my favorite people on the planet. He is, he is so multi-talented yes. and, and I, you know, I've read his book. I've bought Hindsight, the book. It's it's a it's a great great read. Uh, I, there's there's art. I have Matt Keegan art hanging in my nice. Star Wars room down here. Nice. He's 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 a great artist. He's a great writer. Uh, super talented guy. Uh, I I endorse that. Yes. Fully. Well, see there. You, we've got it from two different countries now. We've got the Canadian endorsement and the U.S. endorsement. If only our real politicians could handle this, Bex, the world would be a better place. Truth. Maybe they just put Kyle and I in charge, and we'll solve the world's problems. We'll be heroes if just for one day. Bowie? Or less. Yeah, or less, yeah. <laughs> Till noon. Uh, noon Eastern. Also, one of the, the thing- game's on, Devin. I got I to gotta be home sometime for the game. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, also, we want to thank uh, Chris Letty, Neil Lowry, Kyle Russell. Hey, I've heard of that guy. He's a pretty good guy. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. He's up there with that tumbling saber one north of the border. Uh, also, Regina Sanders, Connie Shee, Aaron Sinner, Skip Skipton, Krista Smolinski, Franklin Taylor, Rick Villanueva, Michael Ward, the always fabulous Amy Wishman. That being said, the circle is now complete, my little tauntauns. We'll see you next time in the Digital Docking Bay. And until then, may the Force be with you. Unmistakably Star Wars is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods, the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.